actually everyone is done. That's good. Very good. Psalm 143. And I'm going to need help this evening. What? I want you to go ahead and preach for me. No, I, um, I need your help this evening with um, with Psalm 143. I said we're going to go. Th there's three different aspects, three different ways we're going to approach this chapter. And the first chapter was what? What have we looked for? What did we look for? Okay, the, the appeal he made to God, or if you would, prayer requests, basically. Ways to pray. And, um, and we learned a number of different ways uh, which we should approach or appeal to God. Um, uh, let me uh, just look over the, a few of those or mention a few. To ask God to hear, and to hear intelligently, intently, immediately, uh, asking God to answer, and, and being specific with God, and actually asking God for something. I, I think that is often a big issue in prayer. The fact that we never really ask God for anything. It's kind of, uh, um, you know, we're just nebulous in our requests and we don't get specific with God. And part of that, I think, is seeking God's face. And oh, that's another message for another time, maybe when we get into the subject of prayer some more. But um, he did specifically say, Lord, in your faithfulness, answer me. And so the, there was something specific. There were things that he was looking for God to do. And we find that, by the way, throughout the psalm. Uh, asking God to be gracious for his presence, uh, for direction or wisdom, asking God for deliverance, for instruction and for strength. These are all things that we find in our text and that are, um, are really in a, in a prayer list, a, a way that you can pray effectively in difficulty and then really at any time. So uh, we're going to read Psalm 143 through, and what I want you to look for is, um, and you can put down Roman numeral 2, the attributes or affirmations which encourage God's child. And then uh, um, you can put a praise list. So we not only want to find a prayer list, but we want to find a praise list. In fact, um, as I read Psalm 143, I, I want to ask you to think about attributes of God or characteristics of God, which it's interesting because they're, they're interspersed without the psalm. And you're going to find that actually it seems like his prayer list was affected by his praise list. In other words, who God was and, and is and how God works and, and God's attributes directed his prayers. And uh, so let's do that as we make another study of Psalm 143. We preach through it once, we preach through it a second time, we'll preach through it a third time. But uh, this evening, what we want to look for are attributes or affirmations which encourage God's child. Attributes of God, so a praise list. So follow along as I read. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, he hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is desolate. I remember the days... I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. 
Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble, and of thy mercy cut off mine enemies, and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Let's pray together, and then we'll ask you for a list. And I hope you'll help me find a praise list from this psalm. Father, I thank you for your word and for the opportunity we have now to uh, dig into Psalm 143 and, and to learn about you and your attributes, which uh, should direct and encourage our prayer life. And I pray that uh, you would bless the time we have together in this uh, different look of, on, in Psalm 143. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. So you can start right in verse 1, but uh, what are some of the attributes of God that you find in this chapter? Okay, loving kindness. That's a little bit later on, but loving kindness. Okay, faithful. The faithfulness of God. What a wonderful truth. He's righteous. Just. Just. Good. He's good. Deliver. Deliver. Merciful. Merciful. Very good. There you go. There's the eraser. What? He's a refuge. Okay. Just want to stop bending over there. He's trustworthy. All right. Very good. So we've got a list. You say, does that match what he's going to speak? I don't know. So let's go ahead. And let's hit on a number of the attributes that should be uh, things that we just praise God about. Really, quite honestly, you're, um, I, I, I did prepare an outline, okay. But you've been doing, you're, you're doing some of the message here. Uh, because these things you've seen of God should guide your prayer life. And uh, they should encourage you to pray. Uh, and so we begin in Psalm 143, right at the beginning, when he says, In thy faithfulness answer thee. We serve a faithful God. A faithful God. Uh, you can count on God to keep his word. God urges his people to pray with the promise that he will hear. And because he's a faithful God, you can count on that. Uh, Matthew 21, 22, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. John 16, 24, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. 1 John 3, 22, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 
Uh, Jeremiah 33.3. Got to bring that one up, right? Uh, we bring it up most all the time when we talk about prayer. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, the scriptures are full of promises in regard to the matter of prayer, but those promises mean nothing if God isn't faithful, if God isn't trustworthy, if God can't be counted on to do that which is right. And I, I love it because he brings out that fact right at the start. So he's saying, God, hear me. God, answer, because you're faithful. In your faithfulness, answer. I can count on that very fact. Someone made comment about... Um, uh, uh, this way, he said, our statements about the faithfulness of God are often based upon a look back. In other words, we look back and we say, wow, God is faithful, looking at the circumstances. But notice his prayer. His prayer isn't necessarily going back. It's, it's looking forward and it's saying, look, in your faithfulness, I know, God, you're a faithful God, so in your faithfulness, here's what I'm expecting. And and it's really a different focus than most of the time. When we talk about God's faithfulness, it's most often looking back and say, wow, God was faithful. And here he's not saying God was. He's saying God is. And I'm counting on that fact. I'm resting upon that fact. And so, therefore, I know God will answer it. Doesn't it encourage us in the matter of prayer? He said, look, I have, I serve a faithful God. He isn't just faithful in the past. He's not just faithful in the, this is what he did for me. He's faithful today, and he'll be faithful tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when I come to him, I can come to him, counting on God to be faithful. That should be part of your praise list. God, you're a faithful God, and it should direct your praying. God, I can count on you to be trustworthy. So I need you, and here's what I need you to do. The faithfulness of God. Um, and he states his confidence that God is faithful. Uh, the second thing that was, uh, or not second thing mentioned, but another thing is mentioned, the second thing we're going to mention is found in verse 1 as well. He says, answer in thy faithfulness and what? All right, the righteousness of God. Uh, we serve a righteous God. Hey, people, God does what's right all the time, every time. He always does what's right. Now, I know that when we look at individual circumstances, we will look at situations that are going on in our lives. Sometimes it doesn't seem to be true. But God will always do what's right. Always, 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 always. He's a righteous God. You can count on that fact. Um, uh, people change all the time, but God doesn't. God is a righteous God. Uh, when I have a prayer request, it's always encouraging to be reminded that God will do what's right because that's part of his nature. You can't separate God and, and right. So uh, I can come and I can come boldly to the throne of grace and I can say, God, uh, here's, here's what I need. And it may not be what I need. God will do what's right. And, and I can count on that fact. Um, Romans 9.14 says this. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. I as a Christian need to come with the settled assurance that God will do what is right. And, um, and he always will. And it should direct your praying. 
Look, if you would, at verse 2. Now, uh, God, someone said God is just. I suspect we got that from verse 2. I, I put it a little bit differently. Uh, we serve a holy God. A holy God. Um, it's always important for us to keep before us the truth. We serve a holy God. Uh, in our God is no sin. There's no unrighteousness. Now, I, I guess we could say he'll always do that which is right. But you can expect a holy God. You can expect to go holy God to take vengeance on evil. That's why he could pray in verse 12, out of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. Because a holy God takes care of his own. He, he, he will always, he, he's, he's sinless. Um, notice... Um, Verse 11, quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. That word uh, uh, righteousness reminds us again that God is a holy God. And and he will, uh, because he, he always, he judges uh, sin severely, uh, because he responds to the wicked deeds of evil men, if we're being treated unjustly, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and expect God to work. We serve a holy God. A lot of times we don't bring out that attribute when we talk about prayer. We talk about mercy. We talk about righteousness. We talk about faithfulness. We talk about all the flowery things. But the fact that God's holy should also be an encouragement. By the way, it's an encouragement when I come and I know my life is right. In fact, I think verse 2 is not saying... Well, you know what? I am just in wicked sin, and, and I don't deserve this now. He's just saying, God, if you would judge as, as a holy God, as you are a just, righteous, holy God, if you would judge on that standard, I won't make it. And by the way, no one would. But we can come to a holy God and know that when we have been striving to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, a, a, a holy God... A God that is righteous and just is going to hear and listen. There's just so many aspects of His holiness that are important in the matter of in the matter of prayer, though you may not necessarily think that to be the case. But there's something else, and verse two kind of brings out another aspect, and that is we serve a merciful God. We serve a merciful God. Uh, they tell us that in the Roman arena, when battles took place before masses of people in the Colosseum, uh, the defeated gladiator was killed by the victor. So if you were in one of those battles, it was win, it's not win or go home. <laughs> it's win or die. I mean, that really was the way it, way it was in many cases. So... It was a life and death struggle. You didn't want to be the loser because the loser meant you weren't, you weren't any longer. Um, so it was serious. Unless there was a hope for the loser. Uh, it was interesting because the loser's hope was the emperor. There were times where the emperor would observe these battles, these gladiators going to battle with one another. And uh, the one who was the victor would take the sword and he'd have it ready or the spear or whatever weapon that he had. And he would be ready to come down and take the life of the loser who's on, on the ground, beaten, defeated. And so it's the end. But he would always have to look up at the emperor before he did that. 
because the emperor would always give either the go-ahead and do nothing, or he would give thumbs up. Seriously. If the emperor would give thumbs up to the loser, his life was spared. In fact, the loser and the victor would both look to the emperor to find out what he thought. And there were times that the emperor did that. <laughs> Gave the thumbs up. So see, that's where we get it from. I, I don't know if that's where we get it from. Uh, but to experience that, let me tell you, was a great relief if you were on the ground. <laughs> now, if you were the victor, you'd probably be upset a little bit because they, they were bloodthirsty people. But um, to be a loser and to have the thumbs up of the emperor was a precious thing. You know, um, that's a wonderful picture of God's mercy. Uh, our great emperor sits on the throne. And as we, in the battles of life, in the trials of life, go through and we get knocked down and we're facing great struggles, we can look up to the throne and, and, and find a God in heaven, and I don't mean to be trite, but a God in heaven who, like the emperor, says, I'm ready to show mercy. Isn't that great? And verse 2, really in essence, for that, not only understands that God is a holy God, but also understands God is a merciful God. So God, if you judge me based on your holiness, I'm history. But God, I'm asking to be merciful, and, and God is merciful. That is a picture uh, and an attribute of our God that is uh, a wonderful encouragement. Um, in Ezra chapter 9, when Ezra was encouraging God's people in, this, in a time of revival for the nation of Israel, as they were rebuilding the walls and, and they had come back from Babylon, he said this, and after all that has come upon us for our evil do deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve and has given us such a deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join an affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest thou not be angry with us till thou hast consumed us so that there should be no remnant or escaping? O Lord uh, God of Israel, thou art righteous. For we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. And as Ezra prayed, he brought out the righteousness of God there in Ezra chapter 9. But he also brought out the mercy of God. He says, you haven't given us what our iniquities rightfully deserve. God, you are gracious. You're merciful to us. We serve a merciful God. Look, if you would, not only in verse 2, we made mention of it. Verse 8, cause me to hear thy loving kindness. Do you know that the word loving kindness there is translated, as found some 200 times in the Old Testament. And a great majority of those times it's translated mercy. Depends on the context, depends on, on, on the place it's found, but it's translated mercy. So God, help me to know your mercy, he says, in essence, is your loving kindness uh, to me. Uh, we rightfully deserve judgment, but God is merciful. Um, that's true in salvation, it's, and it keeps us from hell. It's 
it's true in everyday life. We serve a merciful God. Um, and verse 12 brings that out. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies. So God judged them by showing mercy to me. Uh, wonderful. We serve a merciful God. We serve a powerful God. God. No one mentioned that. So I came up with something that you didn't have. All right. We serve a powerful God. Uh, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. What was he pondering? And what directed his prayer life? The mighty power of God. Hey, listen. That is an encouragement in prayer, isn't it? I serve a mighty God. He's able. He is able. There is nothing beyond his ability. What did David do in this trying time? He thought back to times when God had worked in the past. I, you know, um, what about the lion and the bear? Hey, listen, when he faced Goliath, he remembered God's work. Hey, God did that for me. <laughs> I, I was scared to death then, and God worked in a mighty way. I was able to kill this lion and this bear. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine? We, we serve a powerful God. Um, he was able to slay a giant with a sling. He could look back at that as he's writing this song and say, as he's facing the situation in the song and say, wow, look at that. I killed a guy that's, that's 10 feet tall. Well, he didn't say that exactly, but uh, six cubits in a span or whatever, you know. Uh, uh, but he could look back and contemplate on the power and might of God. Um, you know, he took time in verse 5. Uh, remember the days of old, so he remembered the, the things. I meditate on all thy works. Um, wow, could have thought about the Red Sea. That's a pretty amazing story, isn't it? He could have pondered all the different things that had happened in the history of Israel that proved the mighty power of God. He could go back to the creation of the world and consider how God spoke into existence. He spoke and it was. Listen, people, um, our prayer life should be directed by the power of God. I'm afraid sometimes our prayer lives are directed by uh, our view of God, and our view of God is that he's weak. Well, Lord, I know you probably won't work, and well, I doubt you can do anything in this situation, but I'm praying about it anyway. No, we don't say it that way, but that's where we are in heart. And yet in verse 5, in verse 9, Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. I'm Lord, I'm looking to you. You're, you're a powerful God. You're mighty. Quicken me, O Lord. Give me life for thy name's sake. Um, bring my soul out of trouble. He saw God as able. And it gave him confidence. He saw God as bigger than his enemy. Verse 12. And, and that's what we need to understand. Um, someone mentioned this one. All right, so you got this one. A good God. We serve a good God. Wow, that's just throughout uh, the psalm. But uh, look, if you would, at verse 10. Just take a moment there. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. God's good. Now, some men who comment on the phrase, thy spirit is good, tell us we can't say it's referring to the Holy Spirit of God assuredly. Um, 
In fact, it's interesting that those who translated in the King James didn't capitalize it. Because often when they believed it was referring to the Spirit, they would use a, a, a capital so that you know it's referring to the Spirit of God rather than the Spirit of men or whatever. Uh, some people give various definitions and understanding of this truth. But one author said, we can't know it's the Spirit of God. And then, then he went on, and here's what he wrote. The Spirit which guides those who trust in thee, the Spirit with which thou dost guide people, that Spirit is wise, prudent, prudent judicious, reliable. It will not lead astray. Grant me that Spirit, and I shall be certain that I am going in the right path. So in other words, he says, we can't know it for sure, but basically said we can know for sure. But the point is that we serve a, a, a good God. And whether it's talking about his Holy Spirit matters not, because the point he is making is thy spirit is, is good. You're a good God. And I can count on that. Um, now, some would mock the thought of God's... In fact, some would look at Psalm 143 and say, God's not good. God put him in this situation. In fact, some Christians do that. Why would God do this to me? Why would a good God allow me to suffer like this? And I understand that. Uh, sometimes it's hard to understand the goodness of God. Sometimes it's hard to comprehend it, especially when it's bad. When we're at death's door, like he was, look in verses 3 and what, 3 and 4. But that doesn't change the fact that God is good. God is, God's nature, very nature, is good. Um, someone wrote an answer to those who would question God's goodness. He said, God might tolerate certain short-range evils in order to achieve long-range goods that humans cannot foresee. Then he illustrated it this way. He says, imagine a bear in a trap and a hunter who wants to liberate him. Uh, the, the man who wants to liberate him tries and fails to win the bear's confidence, so he has no choice. He takes a gun and he shoots the bear with a tranquilizer. The bear is thinking this man's going to kill me. The terrified bear. But he doesn't understand the hunter's compassion. And so he acts for the best of the bear in the trap to spare his life. Uh, I believe, the author said then, God does the same thing to us sometimes. We can't comprehend why he's shooting us. But um, God's doing it for our good. And Romans 8.28 brings out that promise. And what we have to trust is the fact that God is good. All the time, every time, it's his nature. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Look, um, he's a, he is a refuge. That's another point that can be brought out in Psalm 143. Uh, and there are other attributes that you might even be able to glean. But these that we've given and these that have been listed um, should drive us to our knees in time of difficulty. Because we serve an amazing, amazing God.
So we have a prayer list, but we also have a praise list. And may I remind you that God, I mean, that the psalmist, as he prayed, mentioned many of these things specifically. And that as you pray, you ought also do the same. To claim that God is good and expect him and in your prayer to pray according to the goodness of God is not wrong. To know that God is righteous and to pray according to the righteousness of God. God, my boss is treating me unfairly. He is, he is uh, doing this to me and it's, it really is, it's unjust what's taking place. And you're a righteous God. So I can pray that way. And I can expect God to do just right. So... So um, use these attributes as you pray. Speak about them with God. Praise him for these attributes. And let these things direct your prayer life and your asking. Um, so we have a prayer list. We have a praise list. And both things should be part of your praying in difficulty. And we've got one more area that will be important. And I hope you'll be back next week to look at Psalm 143 one more time. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for these attributes that we are encouraged about in Psalm 143. Um, attributes that remind us we serve a God that can do great things and a mighty God, a powerful God, a good God, a loving God, a merciful God. And uh, may it direct our, may these attributes, your faithfulness and holiness, direct our praying and direct our lives. And, May we give you praise as we ought in our prayer, and may we learn to pray powerfully because we serve such a wonderful, amazing God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.